to Season 3 of the Casting Light Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Mack. Here at the Casting Light Podcast, we talk about lighting, the people that do it, and how they do what they do. You can find us on the web at castinglightpodcast.com, on Twitter at Podcasting Light, and on Facebook at Casting Light Podcast. Today on Casting Light Podcast, we have Chris Landy. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here. And now, you're a TVLD, 25 years plus experience. Graduate of Wagner College at NYU. Correct. You had your beginnings in theater, and you've done musicals, plays, dance, opera. And here here comes the acronyms. You've worked with NBC, CBS, MTV, <laughs> MTV Squared. Oh, sorry, that's MTV2. <laughs> VH1, BET, Comedy Central. Well, not an acronym. doesn't doesn't fit the it pattern. Really. Uh, HBO, Showtime, FX, PBS, Spike. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of all the net cable networks in there. Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, Last Week Tonight, Lip Sync Battle, The Nightly Show, Food Network Challenge, and TRL. Oh, boy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and you own and operate Vibrant Design with your wife, Ellen Waggett. Correct. So there we have it. There. We're done. Uh, <laughs> uh, how would you describe your current place in the business? I would say, uh, while I have been doing a lot more work in uh, L.A., I would think of myself as a New York, a Brooklyn-based New York uh, lighting designer for television, entertainment, live live events, live TV. I would say a lot of my work has always stemmed out of uh, cable, coming out from like MTV. You know, everything kind of... M- MTV was a, in New York City as a huge... Like, everybody seems to have worked uh, at MTV at one time or another. And certainly my clients, you know, and, or at all sorts of networks and people I worked with back in the day are head of networks now. Um... And um, so cable network, a lot of that. I certainly do a lot of network television um, now. And uh, you kind of grow up into those things. Like I said, people grow up. Even the, uh, the people I used to work with there or have moved on to, you know, run networks themselves. And, and primarily television. All right. How much of it is live versus recorded? Well, there's so much of what we do is live to tape. So even talk shows and everything like yeah, that, no matter what, you're doing things as though they're live. So a talk show, you know, Jimmy Fallon or any of those shows are really commercial breaks might be a little longer for prepping by producers, but um, nobody really wants to wait on anything production or like you set it up a band or anything like that. That happens in a commercial break. So most of the most of the TV shows I do work on, they are you know if it's a if it's an hour show. You're out the door in an hour, you know. Um, so live to tape, and yeah, um, certainly I did TRL, and that was that was a great transition for me. We could talk about MTV and starting there, but yeah. um, coming from live theater and moving into live TV, like I had a real great advantage there. I think just I toured, moving quickly, being able to focus instantly. Um, I remember one of the first times I was. Kind of realized, okay, this is a little bit different. We had a commercial break, and I, in, in a commercial break, I said to the head electrician, um, "Oh, I want to move that light. I want to pan that over." And stage manager could hear him say, "You know, ninety minutes and ninety seconds back." And Jerry was like, "Oh, we have all the time in the world. You know, <laughs> ninety seconds. You know, I come from theater where you're like, oh my God, you can't move. You can't move a light. You know, it's yeah. without. So um, yeah, being able to like." be out on the floor with a, a guy with a stick and swing that around and, you know, because the, the shot changed a tiny bit or someone's not standing, you know, um, as much as you want talent to stand, uh, you know, where uh, where you planned. That uh, that could always change. So um, so you mentioned MTV. So is, is that how you sort of jumped from theater to television? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, like I said, worked in theater forever and uh, then I... What do you mean forever? Well... Since I was 15, and even a little younger than that. But really, I started like as a board op, follow spot operator when I was 15. And, uh, Where down- was that? Uh, downtown Cabaret Theater in Bridgeport. All right. And musicals. I love musicals. Old musicals. I can sing anything. For example? Into the Woods. Great shows. Any right. Sondheim, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, um, certainly Leonard Bernstein. You know, I, I do love old old musicals. Um and that's all I want to do is be a Broadway lighting designer and do do Broadway musicals. That's it. I had a job as an ice cream um, driver for a, about a month. That's a long story. I mean, I worked at Subway for about three months and then, because I had a girlfriend, and then decided, no, I'm going to go back to theater. 
And that, was, that was about 16. So, it was 16. so ever since, I mean, that's kind of all I've ever done. And then, uh, yeah, as far as getting into television, and when I got, uh, got married in 99, and uh, my wife had made the transition into television already, and uh, I talked to a friend of ours, Dan Kelly, and Dan kind of coerced me into uh, working for uh, LDG. And I had done some drafting, and you do, you do freelance work and all that, so I had a little bit of that in, in there. And certainly connections through Ellen. Um, and started there, and um, MTV was always a like um, that's where they would put the young young designers, nice you know. And it, I'll tell you, it's it was a great place to to make a transition from into television and lo- figuring out television lighting in general, because the I don't want to say the stakes weren't high, but you know it's MTV. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, yeah. that kind of goes without saying. Um, it was I wasn't working in network television, you know. I, you know, um, it was okay if there were shadows and people. It was okay if there were, you know, the backlight was hot. In fact, those things were great when I came in and I started doing some. A lot, a lot of it had been lit at that time. It varies over the years. But in that studio, it was very, you know, soft, mm-hmm. lit, you know, as though it might be across the street at Good Morning America, which wasn't even there. Um, but, you know, or news, you know. And a little by little, you know, I try little things out, try a little more color, you know. And it was uh, when I started in there, there was no moving lights, no scrollers, no, you know. And the show has changed too. Don't get me wrong. We went from kind of a base uh, show, which was like MTV Live at the time, which is just like you know, like two people, three people on a panel. Right? Yeah, and there were some kids in the room, and you know, the excitement was I, you know, I added some red backlight in. <laughs> and then by the time I left there, you know, there were. 80 to 100 moving lights in the studio, scrollers on everything, and... Uh, um, what are scrollers? Huh? What are scrollers? <laughs> Thank you, right? <laughs> I said that to somebody once. I said, well, you know, on some forum, you know, what scrollers would you recommend? I said, scrollers? They just won't go away. Right? <laughs> the company's out of business, and they won't go away. They're the bane of my existence. Even when I did theater, I was like, oh, are the scrollers loaded yet? <laughs> No, no, no. We're, we're going to get to that. <laughs> well, I can't really cue the show with, uh, you know, I have 16 colors in here I'd want to use. I can't even focus, you know. Um, well, I can focus, but then it's going to drop. And then it's going to drop. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, MTV, like, it was almost like, I don't want to say nobody was watching, but nobody was watching. It's not like I got lighting notes on things. And it wasn't the reason they were watching, is perhaps is the right thing to say. That's a good way, yeah. But even on, on anything edgy and exciting and, and different that you could make it, and... Uh, I was there for three and a half years through all like the uh, when Carson Daly was doing TRL and it was an exciting time to be there. And uh, at one point we were doing three live shows a day. We did TRL and then we moved into we had a like commercial break and we switched to another set and another, you know, we would do a remote or something. Come back 10 minutes later, we were holding it for another show in the in there was like VJ for a day. Uh, They'd pick kids out and they'd have contests about kids being that. And then, uh, then after that, we did another ch- quick changeover into uh, called D- a show called like DFX, and it was you know hip hop and all. It was like three hours of three and a half hours of live television, you know, at one point. Um, you know, and it's you learn to like quickly, and you you know you learn a lot of things, you know. And the 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 the, uh, the studio in there had its own challenges. Uh, there's windows, so you'd have to you know they didn't ever wanted to ND the windows, so you couldn't. They wanted the kids to be able to see up into the window. I see. So you're starting out, which is never in the world, never any other place would you find this inside. You know, it could be 500 foot candles, 600 foot candles on Carson just to uh, just to try and make level on that. And then they're shooting in and out of the windows, and uh, so even introducing color and you know things like that, it's a um, it's a, it's a unique space. So you, will, is- you also, uh, interestingly, sorry, you'd get. Um, Multi, if we pre-taped a show, you'd get multiple suns because they bounce <laughs> all around Times Square, and you'd see a sun coming in this way and sun coming in this way. And but um, and especially at that time, that was a very important thing that the kids out on the street could see the talent in there. I mean, more more so than lighting or anything else. And you know, so you have to deal with those. That's a challenge that you have to deal with. So, what were you doing to put that kind of foot candles on the table? Uh, all HMI. Yeah. So all the base, even HMI. Uh, Desisti had an HMI soft that we would use in there, uh, HMI pars in there, um, 
And it's always so hard, you know, talk about a video engineer that does keep busy because they are sitting there. They definitely are, are riding the cameras like you would in the sports, you know, where the ball goes into the, you know, is in the sun and then it's in the shade, you know. And um, that was kind of, I could make a level on stage, but then you'd go around to the audience in here and it would drop down to a measly 200 foot catch, mm-hmm. which if you... If you don't know, there's an enormous amount of light <laughs> for for inside. I mean, now, yeah, for the most part, I, sh- I shoot at thirty foot candles, so that it's a little bit, little bit different. And uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, and lots of great shows out of there, and lots of great connections out of MTV, and so many people I still know from there, and so many good friends, and you know, you kind of all grow up together. And I came in late in the game. You know, there were people who were over at um, actually today. Funny. Uh, I don't know when this will hear, but it's 35 years today, MTV. Oh, really? Um, so, you know, there's people who, you know, been there from the beginning. Or still people I still work with who were there early on. We're interns and now we're directors. And, you know, um, so it definitely – and we always did joke. And it, that was the, the perfect place that, you know, the kid you would – the intern that, that there is going to be running the network. Wow. and All right. And they're running the network. Yeah. So before so, Dan Kelly got you in at LDG, um, obviously you went to NYU before that. Uh, what what led up to you wanting to get a master's degree from NYU and then sort of what happened after that? Um, let's see. I, like I said, grew up uh, in, working in theater, downtown cabaret, lots of musicals, etc. I went to Wagner College in uh, Staten Island to get into the city here. I did a lot of musicals in there that they do it's like a uh, really great theater program that does a lot of... Um, uh, they do three musicals a year, um, and and fully produced in um, one play, and and in the end, I ended up designing a lot of shows there. They have a great theater program, um, speech and theater, and um, so when I got out of there, I worked at lots of summer stock, um, did lots of summer stock over the years. I did PepsiCo Summer Fair, um, which was a fantastic festival back in the. 80s uh, and I did the last two years of that which was fantastic especially coming from Wagner which was like very summer stock it was a hemp house you know um I was like the tech guy you know designer that was there and got great you know great experience in there um and a lot of great stagehands even went through there um went to there and then went to this it for spent two summers in a festival at SUNY Purchase which is like state of the art you know so that was a great mix there and met so many people met, met my wife there my best friend still run at people like so many people in the industry who did that you know was a great uh, launching point for people and um so you know all stagehand stuff and um uh sorry about Jim Ingalls I worked for Jim for a long time after that um and did some more of the theater. I worked out at uh, Gateway Playhouse in Long Island. It was kind of my home theater that I worked at for since I was basically a freshman year every summer since. Okay. I was supposed to go out there and uh, this summer and do a show, but I decided to do one with you instead. So, <laughs> so I, after college, I met my uh, Ellen again. We reconnected, and um, she was at NYU. And um, she was in her third year. We dated through her third year. And then I worked at a company called uh, Staging Techniques mm-hmm. in town. Uh, I was the, uh, the shop electrician in there. And, um, uh, you know, kind of at that point, I was like, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to be a Broadway lighting designer. And I thought, well, how am I going to get there quick, you know? more quickly than, you know, I think I could do that or I could, whatever that means. I could be a lighting designer. I think this, I need to take that seriously and and pursue. And Ellen was a great example. She was already at NYU and I could see what that was. You know, I was introduced to that world. And even people, like I said, you know, like uh, from Purchase, there were already a circle of friends that I was in there. Yeah. Um, And I applied to a bunch of, you know, other schools, but um, uh, I was fortunate enough even... In college and did in grad school to uh, be offered some good scholarships there, and that allowed me to uh, to be able to do that. So, all right, um, yeah, it was always kind of like, and I had toured before the before going to NYU, and um, certainly I felt like that would bring a certain refinement and sophistication, and kind of get me to where I wanted to be. 
a little quicker. I think it's done that. <laughs> All right. So we go through the theater program there, and you graduate, mm-hmm. and then I did have a little uh, off-Broadway career. I did some assisting on Broadway. I did uh, Chica- the tours of Chicago with Mr. Oh. Billington and Mr. McKernan, who John McKernan was always very good to me and uh, always was a watchful eye over me, and I am always grateful, John. Uh, he's a good man. And um, that, I, I did stuff for Jim Ingalls. I did uh, stuff at Lincoln Center, Ivanoff, we did up there. Um, and did a lot of assisting for Jim over the years. A lot of drafting and doing quite well. And uh, did some more touring around. Um, uh, I toured Europe with a dance company. I uh, was in the Southeast. You know, um, so after at 32, when I got married, you start to... <sighs> You know, those 18-hour days start to wear and you kind of yeah. plan stuff out and, you know, you look at money and, you know, and, uh, you know, we want to start a family. And uh, I thought, oh, I'll try this out for a bit. And uh, that was good. I, yeah. you know. And you stuck around. And I stuck around, yeah. And, and I, and I, there, I think it's important to, to know, too, as far as uh, coming from a, a master's gr- program like that, there are certainly people who uh, kind of, you know, Oh, you're in television. As if you didn't make it in theater, hmm. or if you know, as if it's if as if it has to be one way or another. Um, you know the benefits of what I've done. I couldn't be happier that I made that change. And one thing, it, one thing certainly informs another. Working in theater, you know, would when I go back when I go back into uh, work in theater, certain things in television, you know, inform things I do, you know, back and forth. And certainly, being a theatrical designer, working in television is a huge plus. Um, because there's, you know, a lot of people who work in television are, believe it or not, they're not the creative, you know. They're, I mean, maybe they, visually speaking, I, I, I'm purely speaking. But so... There's almost more like architectural lighting design where you're trying to make sure you put the right number of foot candles in the right place. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that, not even that. I'm just saying even producers, what you can bring to the, you know, to a producer who's, f- there's so many producers who are fantastic at, you know, showrunners and putting a show together, but the visual aspect is not really their, their forte. You know, that's, um, yeah, we can talk about just, you know, the, the process and all that. It's much different. You know, I don't meet with Rob Marshall, who's a <laughs> creative for, you know, like it's that yeah. doesn't always exist. Certainly there's bands and people that I come into, you know, but people who are running the game and, and kind of hiring me and doing these things, sometimes you're relied upon, you know. And even if I take the time and say, you know, trying to explain lighting, whatever, um, you know, it, it falls on deaf ears. They don't quite, you know, not everybody's visually aware that way. Speaking of process, let, let's talk about that. And especially sort of like what are the conversations that you have to, to before you start drawing and to figure out what you need to do? Um, it is much different than theater. Um, for one thing, you know, the director is someone who you don't, you know, the director is another, another cog in the wheel. The director is cutting the cameras. You, you, you're collaborating with that person. But the creative person is the executive producer, the showrunner, and the massive team of producers that are on there so you're dealing with a different type we're in theater but you know sometimes you might think the producer's a merely a you know the money man and then there's the director who's the crew in a choreographer is creative so um unfortunately it is getting worse and worse as far as you get hired on a job they know my work and they know what i bring to it but getting information out of what it is i mean you're hired on shows sometimes People don't know what the show really is. You can get in. It's you know, it's a small shows to big shows, game shows. You know, certain things are figured out game show because legally you you need to figure out the <laughs> games. But I have been in competition shows where they're figuring that stuff out on the fly, and then they'll say, you know, um, what can we do? You know, how can we do this? You know, can we? You know, you're creating things right there <laughs> on the spot. So. Um, I hate to say that, but sometimes it's it's frustrating for me. And something even that I've gone back and said, this isn't okay anymore. You guys, like, I just did a show. And the producers weren't thrilled with just, I'm talking details within the set and how something was. 
But I said, well, I'm sorry, guys, but there was never a meeting. You never said that. Well, well didn't the set designer say it? The director? He said, well, A, it's hearing things third party doesn't really work, you know? Just make um, sure when you see the lighting designer to tell him that we want. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's been times where I've gotten, uh, we just did a show. And again, it's a, it's a talk show and there's a set. And a lot of times I'll talk to the set designer. It'll, some things are obvious. You know, you have a talk show set. They want it to be, it's a nighttime. You know what it is. You know what time of day it is. The general feel. Um, there's a couch set up. Obviously, those are, you know, your key lights, etc. And you get a general feel. I mean, a lot of, basically, a lot of times I'll get sketches too. There'll be, depending on the, the, the designer, the set designer, and how how involved the show is, you know, I might get a series of, of them. I might be involved, you know, from the beginning, and we'll walk through through some things. You know, there's plenty of designers that I work with very closely that I'm not really even talking so much to the producers and the, you know, the designer and I will will meet together and say, this is what, you know. And the set designer is sometimes getting a little more, well, is definitely getting more information because you know, they've done sketches and stepped through that. Now, I can also, um, if I get, you know, theatrically trained someone, and there's Photoshop and people are so sophisticated on the sketches now, it's kind of crazy. Um, but I'll, I, if I have that, I can recreate the sketch. You know, that's easy. That's that's the, the starting point. So when the producer walks in the door or the talent walks in the door, I can create that. This is what you bought. This is what you paid for. Yeah. Now, that's a starting point. A lot of times, so there's so many shows now that everything's, you know, light boxes. The whole set's light boxes, you know, and this is one look. And then you, you know, um, let's take a look. You, sometimes it's baby steps, depending on your relationship with the producer, you know, to just step through that and say, um, uh, well, let me show you this. Uh, sometimes if they'll walk into the studio and if you're not in a, the cue of the look and they see something on the wall that's, you know, the programmer is just trying to troubleshoot something. There's a red splotch in the wall that you and I would go like, well, of course, that's never going to be there. No, they need to be, They don't know that, you know. I don't know what they did on their last show, <laughs> where they get that, but people don't really. And it's just like everything else. You have to show them when you walk in, you show them what, what you want it to be. You need to be ready and look at that, you know, because you'll start getting notes as soon as, you know, people walk in the studio, they'll do, start doing walkthroughs and all. So the, the sad part is, is it's it's sometimes figuring that figuring out what they want, and and I've had shows where you know it we're taping a show the first show before you get it. I really don't blue. Are we really doing blue? And then so you, then you have one you have the lines of producers. So even the producer you're dealing with here, and all of a sudden, you know, head of the network walks in and doesn't like that. And can we change that? And they don't often even understand why why you can't change it there, as if you could change. <laughs> I mean, continuity you'd ruin the yeah you'd ruin the uh, the two acts you just shot, you know. So there's a little bit of a dance there in figuring that out. And it's an odd thing, and it's very odd coming from theater. It's not like I read a script that you know half the time there aren't scripts. Um, Half the time there aren't rundowns, you know, when you, you until until you you know day of show you're like trying to, and that's not every show, believe me, you know some it's such a treat when you have people who are organized and really know what they want, uh, but all shows grow, you know, like a talk show or every show I've ever done, it 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 grows one way or another. There'll be shows where you have this enormous set, and John Oliver, <laughs> great example. Yeah. You have this huge set, it's beautiful. You go to a jib shot. And you come in and you're on a single and you're on a single for the the next 29 minutes because that's what's funny and that's good. You know, you don't need to, you know, they pull out a little, tiny bit or a little push in. I mean, there's cameras sitting around some days that, you know, if they don't do an interview or don't have something special for them to do. So, uh, and I've done news shows where, you know, you've done all this and then as the show goes and budgets and they figure out, well, if we just do a somebody, you know, the talent in a box – we're still making the same amount with a, with a virtual set, or or even at a virtual set, you can have a you can we can be in this tiny room with a, a backdrop. You know how often do you see watch CNN? Sometimes they're on huge, beautiful sets, but the news is you know it's a talking head. So yeah, I've seen shows that like oh my god, they just pare it down completely. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, it's it's a definitely a different process, and certain things happen once you're all in the room and people look at things on camera, and that's the most important thing. That's like somebody will even walk in and say, oh, "I don't, we don't like that," or "That's not gonna." This is we got to move the desk. We got to do this. Let's look at it on the camera. Okay, let's get in once. I've already done a pre-hang. The lights are already there. You know, <laughs> that seat probably has. 8 to 12 lights on it. I'm not going to move it here. You do. <laughs> move it here, there, back, forth. But look at it on camera. You get, you know, we all look at it through the lens. We all make suggestions, and it's a collaborative process at that point. And uh, say, oh, you know, something, what, what can be done in the backdrop here, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what, um, and look at shots, and then things get tweaked, and then you can rehang and redo things. That, you know, and that's a practical matter, certainly, you know, talent light-wise. I mean, there's so many different ways that you might shoot stuff. At the same time, there's very few ways you shoot things. Because everybody, you know, uh, it's like reinventing the wheel. Ellen, my wife, Ellen, did Chopped. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times has that formula been copied, you know? And some on various levels, you know? Uh, it's like Millionaire. I think you said that with, with uh, maybe David, or, you know, give me the millionaire cue, you know. Um, that was David. Yeah, right? Give me the, oh, for years. What does that mean? There's not even, you know, <laughs> the most inappropriate thing in the world. Or they don't understand how it should be triggered by something to do, you know, or you're in a controlled environment. It's so funny. That was for years, the, the millionaire cue. Well, it seems like a good time to ask you then. Uh, how do you feel when a look that you've created or a concept that you've created for a specific purpose or for a specific show becomes part of what people just want. They take it and they duplicate it and they duplicate it incorrectly. They duplicate it in places where it shouldn't be. Sure. What do you think? Like, what do you, th what do you feel? I mean, it's a little different for lighting than I would say scenery. And certainly I'm close to that because Ellen, uh, you know, my wife Ellen is a set designer. And, um, but certainly shows that I do, you know, they are copied, but... So you look at Late Night with Jimmy Fallon or The Tonight Show and where the desk is. And Jimmy's desk is in the same place that Jack Parr and Johnny Carson had it. Yeah. You can't – there's taboos about certain things and, you know, um, and you have to respect that. I, I, I kind of jokingly say that, but if that's important to them that they be there, you know, they're, uh, you know what side of the desk is the host on? They're always camera right. Mm -hmm. There's been some shows with their camera left. I can name three of them. I won't. But they're failed, you know. Chevy Chase had one, one week. He was, I had to be on the other side, you know. Um, I don't know, necessarily think that's a good thing or, you know. But, um, but everything's copied from something. Certainly, yeah, you know, uh, Ellen did Chopped and uh, there's a Chopped... Canada, you know, and they, I mean, make no mistake about it. They come down and they look at your set and they look at this and they take photos. They bring them up there and there's, it's a, it's a direct copy. And they, you know, uh, lip sync battles all over the world right now and elements that, uh, you know, we've designed into that are, are copied. And uh, in television, there's not royalties um, or, uh, you know, laws. Most of the contracts you're ever signing are, we own the light plot. We own. We own. We own everything. We, you we own everything, and you own. You work for hire. Totally work for hire. Exactly. And it happens all the time. And you know what? Lip sync battle is a perfect example. I've done season one and two. It's going to go on to season three. I'm not doing that it's out in L.A. And uh, uh, certain elements have already been, you know, cop. But that's the show. You've already created the show. Just simply because there's a new, you know, LD, and it, it could be lots of times. It's just scheduling, you know. They, you, you know, all of a sudden they said, this is a hit. Now we're going to pick it up. Well, you're not available to do that. So there's another designer who, who, you know, ideally you might be the one or your team might go in and, and, and light that, but not always, you know, and for a number of circumstances. So different people do, do things a little bit differently. And sometimes you, you would copy something exactly. This is the set. This is what we want it to look like, you know, and there's certainly styles are brought to it. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you can get necessarily attached to that. It's di different as though if I was taking out a Broadway tour and you, you know, this is what it is. Certainly, if you saw, even when I was working in theater, I always felt 
odd about that. Um, hearing stories about different designers that are respected and their their work being copied in in major venues, you know, and it's you know, and I, like I said, a, a big part of my theater career is at Gateway Playhouse, and they take Broadway shows, and half the time you're using the Broadway sets, you know, mm-hmm. they're renting the sets. And I guess when I did Chicago, I was very conscious. I have never let Chicago uh, beyond that, but I always thought, huh, if somebody had this set, Ken did such a, you know, it's such a conceptual lighting scheme and design. It's beautiful. But I really don't think I I could say, I could walk in and say, oh, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. I mean, I think Ken would, you know, frown on that and people would come after me. But, but, you know, that's that's his work. And so... And a lot of theaters like that. That's what they do. So let, let's talk about Limpsick Battle. You, you mentioned it already. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's a big hit. And it looks really interesting. It looks really unique. And I feel like it's it's an awesome departure from the sort of where everything is glass kind of set design we've seen so oh, much. It's, a be- it's Keith Raywood set. And it's a beautiful, beautiful set. So what were the sort of design concepts that went into creating that? And what did you do to help drive that? Well, like many things, you know, I find out about a show, I'm hired, you can, you find out little bits of information. And very often, to go back to, like, how you're hired, you know, a lot of times it's it's the line producer. And the line producer in television is the, the, the guy running the budgets. He's putting the budgets together. He's putting a team together. It's absolutely approved by certain people. Um, but at the end of the day, he's the one making the call. So, you know... So that show, even, you know, when you hear, we're going to do a lip syncing, everything about it, you know, it's kind of a crazy concept. So, you know, what is this even going to be? And we do so many shows, you do pilots all the time that are like, this is a crazy, horrible concept, you know. <laughs> and before that, we did another pilot for NBC that was kind of like, ooh, I don't know, guys. This and uh, It was funny, but, you know, that never, no, that didn't work. Uh, and this one certainly worked. Um, and yeah, so I, I would get, you know, in that one, I'd get a set design and just an overall concept of that and then sit down with Keith and, um, uh, Anthony Bishop, his art director I work very closely with and, you know, go through and, and say, oh, you know, it'd be great if I had this there. Um, we're doing a stage deck. You know what? I'd love to uplight these walls all in here, all this brick and get texture in here. This is what I need to do that. So it's kind of your laundry list of of scenic things that you bring to it. Uh, And, you know, Keith's incredibly talented and Anthony and, you know, you look at the sketch and they've somebody like that. um, And there's the more the set designer lights it and not that I'm copying and, you know, but if they can bring life to that sketch and then you can that's the creative force. You can work with that person and and, um, say, what if I did this and can we do this? Um, you know, can there's a can we put a subway grate in here instead of it being a platform? Because I want to uplight the door in here. I want to backlight the door. I need this to move back. And some of those things, um, you talk through those things as much as much as possible. Um, and for the most part, um, all the set designer, you know, eighty nine percent of the set designers I work for, you know, if you ask for those certain things. They they they're smart enough to go like this will make my set look beautiful. You, I am there, not to serve them or or to work together, but it's to their benefit. To if I say I need a trough here for to uplight this wall, or I need a little more space in here, or just technically, you know, um, I need this wall needs to move back because I don't have enough room for backlight, and I don't want to you know be the designer to drop lights in where they're inappropriate, you know, just so I can get a. You know, the close-up yeah. looks good. You have to look at the whole picture of things. And grid height and what we, you know, and things like that. Yeah, and that's a show where it it certainly evolved. You know, we we started out and um, obviously we had, you know, some major talent, Ello and, uh, and Jimmy Fallon produced that. And that's how I was also involved. Jimmy brought me in on that. I'm trying to think of what the first show was. Was it about The Rock? Well, that was the first one that aired. Right. It was The Rock and Jimmy, and they, you know, we both you and normally always in television. You do a series, you usually shoot them out of order. You want you get you never want to air your first show. Mm-hmm. It's it's the dress rehearsal. You know, the amount of uh, we don't have weeks of previews <laughs> in in television. You jump in, you get a camera rehearsal, you know, and uh, a couple days, and and you jump in. So your first show, you learn a lot in your first show. 
and no matter what you can rehearse things and look at things until you get the the talent up on any show until the energy's there and the, the, the director and the the, uh, the camera folk and the, and the, and the um the talent until everybody's really the energy's going it's a different show you can step through it a hundred times and that's not going to be like that which is exciting as well so on a show like that yeah i i probably if you went back and looked at the first season there were some people who just came out and lip-synced and then they did a little something and maybe they put on a little you know uh whatever you want to say a funny mustache and some glasses and that was that and then all of a sudden we quickly very quickly moved into the competition of 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 jimmy and the rock uh the rock said uh i want to do saturday night fever and i want these outfits and i want everybody to be dressed like this and um you know what we should get a dancing floor and we should you know those are not things that necessarily were like you know budgeted for Mm -hmm. when you say conceptually and all but you know some big stuff. At first, we heard that Jimmy wanted to do, he did Like a Prayer, and he said, Jimmy wants 50 choir members in robes coming out. Now, on most shows, too, you're like, oh, my God, that's that's crazy. Which really was kind of a simpler <laughs> compared to the sets that, that were to follow after that. You know, everything grew from there. So the first couple of things, you know, a show certainly evolves, you know. And when you're designing a show, you have to kind of think these things through. Uh, and it could be just uh, never mind that it might you add, might add music or or um, stunts or you need when you hang a plot for any show like that or talk show or anything you have to imagine that they're going to they'll say we're never going to shoot over here <laughs> and it's never going to happen we're not going to shoot the audience oh hundred we're not going to shoot the audience that's a simple one and you're like well okay back when I was a, a youngin I'd be like. We don't have money. This is what I can do. And then I wouldn't necessarily like the audience, you know, or I would, it would be a little, little rough, even just for a concert. We can't see the kids. That's all. And then the the first thing I'd hear nothing else, but you you know, we need to shoot the audience. Well, I explained to you, or, you know, I thought that was, I, I was explaining, which does nothing. You can't explain that things. It's, it's irrelevant. You need to figure that out and how, how to. The audience, especially on music and MTV and, and concerts, you know, audience reaction is everything. You want the you want the people at home, the kids at home to feel like it's like TRL when you go back and mm-hmm. you see the screaming kids. That was all done because everybody wanted to be on TRL, you know, um, it's like American Bandstand. You know, it's the old you know, people wanted to be in that room. And uh, so, yeah, so you're going to like the audience, you know, and it's a simple thing. They said, oh, we'll never like the audience. We'll never shoot over here. You need to be prepared for, in your initial hang, that there are things in place or you have you have circuits in there or you have gear there or and you have a gaffer who's prepared to, at a moment's notice, add something up there without question. You know, it's not a discussion, mm-hmm. you know. So when you lay out your rig, there's so many things you need to do to um, be proactive and make sure that you're... Your lighting rig, whether it be a ton of 4K moving lights or banks of uh, 2K Fresnels or Lico's, whatever it is that you have, that you're prepared for certain things. And not every show is like that. It is small shows that, you know, I think the show we're doing right now, you know, a simple entertainment show. I certainly had things in the grid. I hadn't worked with the director in a long time. And I thought, well, you have to be a director as well. So I have to look at that. Just looking at a ground plan and saying, okay, well, this is a nice nook here. And some set designers may give you a sketch of that corner or this corner. You know, it's so many things are done in 3D now. You can zoom around and yeah. see that. And they, they're doing that. But you go, that's going to be a host street there. You know something's going to be there. You may not be right on each time or where it is. But, uh, you know, on this show, I probably... They wanted a lot of freedom, say, on 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 that show. I probably have some some extra Fresnels in the air just to to give it some breathing room. Never even turned it on, but they, they, for the most part, the stand up positions you have to predict where those will be. You just have systems in the air where you're like, okay, now the director actually wants this. Hopefully, certain things though, as as you're loading in, director will come in. Yeah, I was just in a meeting. We want to be able to shoot Chrissy over here in an entrance, so. We need to do this. And at the same time, you have to have a crew that are like, okay, guys, we're we're lighting this position over here. Then you look at it on camera. The cameramen bring a lot to the table. You you think that's the corner. But, you know, for one reason or another, they're trucking the camera off three feet this way. 
And depending on what you're doing, that's a that's a lot, you know. So you need to relight for that, you know, and and keep ahead of that. All right. So I mean, how does that day to day operations on the show work? I know you're trying to shoot two shows in a day, and you have a ton of uh, content that you need to create. It's crazy. How does that work? Um, you we and you normally that's in an eight hour day, you know, with the union crew. So. We usually will meet the night before. Hopefully, hopefully we've gotten music and et cetera ahead of time, and we get concepts and the night before or uh, days leading up to that. We'll we'll discuss you know, scenery and elements that that are going into the show. Um, that's if it all goes well. If if the talent comes in and decides that's that's what they want to do, and some people came in, you know, this is exactly what I do. Other times, it really, it's uh, you know the rock was one of the first examples you know that happened in about 24 hours maybe 40 48 hours but to find a dance floor we ended up doing walls and to find a seems simple um you know a six foot mirror ball on the east coast you know we're, we're looking at and say all right there, there are some in la we know there's one in maryland you know and getting that into the studio when uh 24 hours notice you know um and then you do things like that <laughs> that's the crazy part about television too so you'll get the eight foot mirror ball into the space and then they'll go no that's too big we don't want that idea <laughs> that's been shipped up you know some guy's driven that up the amount of money you've just spent on that it's kind of the fun part too yeah. that, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit different you know um, so as far as you know you'll get in the morning and hopefully you have uh, an ESU an electronic setup and everybody will set up cameras do a lamp check just like you would on any any show and then um, depending chip cameras or not um, and camera meetings and then you start to work out the creative and start bringing scenery out and sometimes we don't uh, we really don't even see scenery until there were times where we didn't see pieces of scenery or finished scenery until uh everybody at home did as well wow yeah we were doing four four songs a day effectively and the the structure of it even uh we kind of started out early on lighting wise but also across the boards was the first song that somebody would come on the show and do it was just kind of like you know very simple it might be like it was on on the tonight show or fallon mm -hmm. just th them doing that we would keep you know i Set the ground rules as though, yeah, we could do a little flashing at all, but no movement, no really, no big looks, just kind of playing along. Simple, simple. Um, and then both talent would do that, and then you'd come back, and then they'd do a full-blown production, you know, living out their dreams as a rock and roll, which is like, really, when we, we, when you started the show, we were like, this is kind of silly. This is <laughs> silly, you know. Even Jimmy Fallon came into me, he said, like, like, what are we doing, Chris? This is the silliest thing in the world. You know, it obviously works on the sh on on as a bit on the show, but um, this is a very silly concept. And the the way it works is, um, you get major talent, and they're just like they let loose and they do things that they no normally don't do. It's not a competition show. People get a little com competitive, but it's f it's fun. There's no losers. There's nothing like that. Um, so and then the, then there's so big crazy production numbers like that, but you know when we're on stage, you forty five minutes maybe, you know to to tack out a, a a number. And there's sometimes it takes that long to get the scenery on. I mean there'd be times where we roll a flat on you you focus on that flat and then it goes off. Mm -hmm. Ideally not, you know you push for that time, but it's all talent driven. So the talent's not going to sit around and wait. Then you got another talent sitting there waiting to go on. And you have an audience, so you, you know, so there's a time thing. And in television, that's the biggest thing I could say to people is like, you know, speed is key. You know, you can, you have to be, as an LD, as a, as a programmer especially, you know, um, I need programmers who are quick and can change on the fly. And I, I have, I've queued a show, queued a number and, you know, especially something like that. You get through, we're moving on to the next one. And the producer rolls, comes over and says, I'm, just, I'm not feeling the red. And there's certain people who would fold under that, you know, as far as programming. You know, you have to be able to like, okay, that's what we're doing. You know, boom. And that person is just working nonstop throughout until, you know, how it is. Um, 
so a lot of stuff you you don't have a lot of time and uh, don't necessarily always see everything on camera. So again, you need to predict where where those are and get used to that. Um, you know, and that's a show with you know about eleven cameras. You know, so um, yeah, you have to light and be. You have to be a director and a cinematographer in a, in a sense, you know. You don't always, you work out with the camera and your camera, you know. I go down to cameramen who are sitting down there and say, you know, what are you seeing here? Or what, you know, how, how do we, because the director well, very often has so much to do with with um, with talent, you know, that they don't have time to, it's crazy. It's just a crazy, you know, and so many shows are like that, you know, where you rush and you do a concert. We're doing a concert tomorrow, just a small thing, but we may get... Out of 12 songs, we may get four of them, re- you know, rehearsed with the band, you wow. know. All right. You're not rehearsing, you know. And then you get in the control room and you're like, ah, is that the lighting? <laughs> because they may not think it's, or they may say, I usually don't hear too many whines. In but you may hear like, oh, uh, we're singing another Amber song or another blue song. Can we not do, you know. They don't really realize how we haven't really rehearsed this. We've stepped through this, and then the band changes songs, you know, right before we go. So you're you're, you're punting along the way, you know. Um, so the big yeah, the biggest thing is just speed and being able to go with the flow and change and um, yeah. And then there's those moments too where you get to like actually go up and work with the talent and say, you know what, I'm gonna start you out in a you know a, a downlight here. And if you step forward just a little bit, perfect. And we, we do this and you work with the choreographer, the director, and is that good? Everybody, you know, and that might be one key moment here, one key here, you know, uh, key moments, not key lights. Um, and then you kind of, you get those things in place and you build off and you move quite quickly. And so the, the concert thing you're doing tomorrow, I know you've done a lot of these things where you're inter- interfacing with the band's creative folks, you know, mm-hmm. the band has an LD, yeah, right. but you're responsible for the overall look of the thing that's being broadcast. How does that work? And I realize that it depends kind it, of on them, but all, what like, what do you strive for? Absolutely. It's all over the place on so many shows I do. You, whether you're doing a talk show like uh, like Fallon, you have bands come in every day, or you're doing an award show um, where you might have more time to work with, with bands and creatively. Certainly now I think, um, with screen content is a big thing, you know, like what's the overall arch of that? Do you guys have content that you're bringing in? A lot more bands have creative directors that come along with this. Um, and it varies from the guy who comes in, who's been touring for the last, uh, Six months, and he is so glad that somebody else is running this show tonight. And he's going to sit in the back, and he's like, you know, let me know what you need, fellas. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's great. Um, I've had ones where they want to cue everything out, and um, we're very, very involved. And even sometimes we're not huge fans of letting uh, band LDs come in and sit down on the console because it's television, and it's a different animal. I just had one, in fact. It's been many years where I... Matthew Piercy, who works for me, is fantastic. Um, shout out to Matt. And uh, But his grand, his grandmother passed away, and I town could have been busier. So I ended up having to use the band LD. He was in town. But just the structure of how a television show, the, the little things that needed, uh, needed to happen, what, what he presented on stage, gorgeous. But... Um, I lose control there, you know, entirely. So it's hard for me to really manipulate. I become, quote unquote, the, the TVLD and make sure we're making good pictures and et cetera. But it's a little bit, you know, I'll say the bass player, we need to come down on him. Well, sometimes, you know, he may be in one spot and or in one color. You need to tweak those levels per song. It, it's all tweaking and that's what we do. That concept, it's just a totally different way of working, you know, that uh, he was like, well, isn't that for the whole show? You know, so it's 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 hard to work on that level just because there are lots of great programmers out there, as you know, but not all of them do t- television. Not all of them can. A television guy can't necessarily jump in easily and do a live concert and do a festival. one. You know, so there's, you know, just everybody has their their little their expertise there. All right. So tell me about Vibrant Design. Vibrant Design. Um, so that's, you know, starting up the business and, you know, you guys collaborating on having your own Yeah, show. Um, Yeah, I worked for LDG for, 
I was going about seven years and it was a very good for me. And uh, um, I left there and just wanted to basically they do a lot of a lot of news and, and things like that. And I wanted to kind of just pursue my own clients and you know make my own schedule and be my own man. And the old the old story of start your own business. And so it was yeah it was a big leap of faith you know can I go out and do this and you know Ellen had always been doing um kind of more in the freelance world and her own thing and not working for somebody so um in 2005 I broke away and and did that and uh luckily I still kept getting calls and uh yeah so we're 12 years old now and uh mostly do uh lighting you know we'll do we'll do labor a little less and less now but labor and uh and gear on, on certain shows, some shows I'll just do design work on. Purposely, I have um, certainly have kept things small. It's just my assistant Abby, who's my right hand and amazing, and I've an accountant and um, uh, Matthew Piercy for a long time filled that role that Abby Abby does now, and um, and for the most part beyond that, it's I've purposely kept it small and and revolving. Um, I certainly have key people that I go to all the time and, you know, like to keep them as, the, you know, the vibrant team that's there. I, I, I mean, I came from uh, from a company that had a, just a large staff and it was and that was just something, I, you know, I decided that I wanted to keep things small. I don't want to be too big in all honesty. And there have been times where we have grown enormously and it's it's, you know, it's a lot to deal with. You know, and I'm a designer. I'm a the AV geek who became a lighting designer. Who you know, none of us go to business school. You know, I mean, I went to NYU and a lot of a lot of fantastic things there. But the business aspect of it is is hard. You have to you know learn those things. Where did you learn it? And sort of how do you feel about uh, the business I had a, side? a fantastic mother-in-law, Jean, who uh, who's since passed away. But um, Jean uh, was a uh, quite the educator over the years, especially when we started up the company of just, you know, sitting down with glasses of wine and, you know, this is how business works. And, and I certainly had the, the energy and the aggression to do that. And it was a, a trial by fire that way. But, uh, you know, and I will always say to, um, to anybody who's in theater designs, you know, it is a business. And whether you're making $20,000 doing off, 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 off Broadway, it's a business where you need to do your taxes. You need to understand certain things. You you still have deductions. You may have budgets that are a thousand dollars, but it, that's a business, and you have to stay on budget. I mean, for anybody, and that's that's just true on all levels. And then getting work, just the business of getting more work every time. You know, everybody's freelance. You know, um, I mean, I own a business. I own several businesses, but I, you know, I it's still freelance work mentioned the, the the sort of the key people for vibrant design well when when you go out to do say a one day wonder or a talk show etc cetera, etc cetera, mm-hmm. what positions are you do you need to fill and what positions are you comfortable with the production or the house filling yeah which is a great question um no disrespect to anybody out there but you try and fill as many of those people as you can because they know what you want. That's the short answer. Um, if I go out of town, minimum, I always say, no, I have to have a gaffer and I have to have my programmer. You need your team with you. And that, and at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's like we always call it uh, team lighting, fiber design team. You know, I have Abby with me. Uh, I'm able to do, I'm able to uh, work with the client and get information and be in the truck. Um, that made me socializing with the client so I get the next job in all honesty but she knows what i want she's out there focusing you know i you know how many times could i focus a key light it's moved four times i don't necessarily need to be doing that so my priority or having a good gaffer who also can do that you know and uh and programmers who you you have a relationship work with and can work and and um i i don't know how to do it any other way you cannot do it on your own i don't care you know whether you're doing theater or live events or anything like that, it takes a team, you know, and you're only as good as your team sometimes, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you can get there and it might be more frustrating. Um, certainly I work with people that I'm like, um, not necessarily, um, you know, you're going to a studio, you're using that studio crew, you know, that head's been in there at a network. He's been in the, that's his studio. So you're coming in now. 
um, if you bring in a production electrician, uh, you know, you bring Mike Grimes and you bring George Guntas and Ronnie and, you know, these guys, uh, they're thrilled. Those guys want, they're thrilled that somebody that, that has assisted them, is doing the paperwork and is going to make this seamless. Everybody's happy. So what else? You're a father, you're a woodworker, you're uh, a cheesemonger. My, my midlife crisis things there, you know. I'm a little early for the midlife crisis. But yeah, no, I started doing th- uh, woodworking. We, we, uh, I am a father of two kids, um, fantastic kids, and uh, Max and Samantha. My wife, as we said, is a production designer, and uh, she's over at Seth Meyers now, and she freelances and do, does stuff as outside. And we have a house upstate. We split our time between here and upstate. And um, got into woodworking like, you know, like everybody else. I used to build scenery very dangerously. You know, you think (laughs) (laughs) what I would do on a table saw and things. And then, uh, but I was never really, you know, I probably went into lighting a little bit too, even back in the day, because I wasn't like the best carpenter. Um, Sometimes that's like saying the best golfer. Like nobody's really that great at it. You know, it's all... (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, yeah, when I got a house, I just started kind of got into it, and uh, I've taken a lot of classes and all. I'm not, you know, uh, sometimes I have time to do it, sometimes I don't, but it's a, just a great thing outside of work to do. And I guess that's one of the things to just, I would, I would walk away and stress is, you know, how much of a life you can have outside of work. And even what that brings to you as a businessman and, and as, a, as a designer to have other things that, that, you know, to talk about and people are interested in. And, yeah, we could all sit and talk shop and we do plenty you know but there's also guys that you know my friend ray i'll see him and uh you know every job and uh, hey ray will come over we'll talk woodworking and then another guy comes over and you're like wait you do woodworking too it's amazing you know and that's just a you know it's a wonderful work connection that you have with people on top of you know talking about your kids or your family or you know i mean the television community in new york is it's only so many it's large but there's only so many people we do the same shows we work with the same group of people over and over and over and uh yeah it's nice to have outside hobbies and things like that to to talk about and to be interested in. and you know i think it's so great to have other things to you know releases to it's like a normal life it's like <laughs> people outside and you know and family too you know to you know there's lots of people in, in the business who don't always make time for a family until they're like huh you know, it's an important thing, you know. Um, so, yeah. And then the crazy part is, uh, Ellen and I, two years ago, we decided, oh, we don't have enough on our plate to do. We're going to open a cheese shop. So, uh, we opened What's up What's the name sh- of the cheese shop? It's uh, Bimmy's Cheese Shop. And I think I mentioned earlier, my mother-in-law was uh, was Bimmy. That was her oh. her mother, you know, her grandmother name. And her name as a, as a child. So, uh, we named that after her. And... Um, yeah, so that's like another layer, and you know, geez, people are like, "You own a cheese shop," you know, and then that's all that's all they want to talk about. Um, I could spend an hour talking to people just, you know, that are interested in that, and that's that's awesome, you know. And that really, when I even started vibrant design, vibrant doesn't did not necessarily just refer to color. It's just kind of the energy that I wanted to, you know, have in the company and and have it be uh, a happy place. <laughs> I built the entire shop myself wow. um, as a, a woodworker, um, and I run the books and run the business aspect of it, and and that, and I love that. Come up to Chatham, New York, uh, Bimmy's Cheese Shop, and uh, it's amazing how many people actually in television is wonderful have come up and, and visited and made made the trip and have been so excited about it. And again, it's like it's a happy thing. Who doesn't love cheese? People walk in the shop, they're happy. You yeah. know? Can you trust someone that doesn't? Right. <laughs> And if you're lactose intolerant, a little plug, you can eat cheese. There's certain cheeses. We, we That's something we have to get out in the community for people. But, you know, yeah. So where, where can we see your work? Uh, we're doing a show that's um, John Oliver's on, The Nightly Show on Comedy Central. Um, we um, Some Lipstick Battle is still repeating. Um, we're doing a show called Comedy Knockout. We just did a show you and I are doing as uh, – wrapping up but hopefully that comes back next year uh we have a show on food network uh, right now um cooks versus cons we have uh, another show we're just doing uh black and white it's been a very busy summer extremely this isn't necessarily the norm two years ago i built a cheese shop because i had no work i did the boston pops on fourth of july 
And then I did on Labor Day inside the NFL, and there was nothing for two months in between. Thank, thankfully, I actually, it couldn't have worked out better. I built a shop. I did a lot, but I was like, hmm, the phone's not ringing. And um, this year was diff- totally different. January was slow. February, uh, a little bit of March was slow. And then since then, it, it, I could not be busier. So, um, which is great. And so it's, you know, a lot of managing of that time. But, um, yeah, so all over there, vibrantdesign.tv is our website. And we actually keep a little list of, you know, what you can tune in and see there. Um, bimmyscheeseshop.com. Come by there. <laughs> so, yeah, right. hopefully you can see lots of stuff that we do out there. Right? All right. Chris, thank you very much. You have a good afternoon. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Casting Light Podcast. Visit us on the web at castinglightpodcast.com. You can use the contact form there to let us know what you think, and you can find all of our previous episodes there. We're also on Facebook at Casting Light Podcast and on Twitter at Podcasting Light. Our theme music is Color Me Dead by The Lame Drivers. You can learn more about them at lamedrivers.com. The Casting Light Podcast is a production of Casting Light Incorporated. I'm your host, Jason Marin. Thanks for downloading, and have a good show. Let's go, come